Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, folks. And we have a special guest, uh, Cody Martin. Hey, everybody. Uh, Cody was in a, a Nintendo Power intern and then a Nintendo Power writer. And uh, you recently became a Star Trek fan. This is very true, Justin. Yes, I, um, I started watching Star Trek uh, The Next Generation about a year ago. And then this past Thursday, I actually watched the final episode to Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, wow. All um, good things. Yes, yes, indeed. So, yeah, I I, uh, I am a new, newly born Star Trek fan. Yeah, that's fine. And, you got to start uh, sometime, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I love Star Trek now. It's awesome. So, so yes, I, uh, I've watched a few episodes of Enterprise now in celebration of Trek Trek. Are you all caught up? Are you ready? Uh, not all caught up, but I've I think I've watched like the same episodes as you guys, except for like two. Oh, okay. So. Well, you got the you got the basic gist of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you have a favorite character so far? Um, not really. Oh, I think Actually. I've decided mine's Flocks. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, the doctor? Is he the yeah, Doctor yeah, Flocks? Okay. So far, cool. at least. Yeah. I like Trip. Trip's my favorite. Yeah, it, it was it was tough there. I was definitely leaning towards Trip. We've talked about this on previous episodes, um, but there was something Flocks did. I want to say it was in this episode we're going to talk about where I just thought, wow, like if even with the material he's being given, uh, the actor is he's doing a really good job, and he's, he's an interesting character. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I saw him at a uh, Star Trek convention, and he was just super likable and mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. I find that his role on the show so far is he seems to make the characters think about things a little more. Um, he, especially with, um, uh, especially with T'Pol, he always seems to have something to say to her that kind of makes her reconsider maybe her kind of Vulcan Vulcan stance on things like her strictly logical stance or something. So yeah, I I think he's really cool. Uh, I like trip a lot though as well. And um, I'm kind of (laughs) glad so far. I mean, maybe I'll come around on Hoshi, but she's really (laughs) not been as, you know, even this episode, she's just really not on the show. Yeah. Um, It's kind of, it's kind of weird. It is weird. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about Star Trek Enterprise, Season 1, Episode 7, The Andorian Incident. Ooh. Is it Episode 6 or is it Episode 7? I thought it was 6. Episode 7. Episode oh, 6 on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's a two-parter, the first one. Is yes. Yeah, yeah, it's one of gotcha, those things we gotcha. come up against where we're always having to do a bit of conversion in our heads <laughs> because they Netflix numbers them... Our Broken Bow is is one episode on there, but really right. it's it's considered episodes one and two right, because of right, right. because of old television numbering schemes. Mm-hmm. Uh, original air date October thirty first two thousand one Halloween. How fun! All right. I mean, this I thought this was in some ways kind of a fun episode, so it kind of fit that it was it was on Halloween. 
bringing back the Andorians from the original series. Uh, Cody, you're much younger than us. What were you doing on October 31st of 2001? Well, considering I was 11 and in sixth grade, I Whoa. was probably, uh, you know, maybe like trick or treating with my friends, acting, uh-huh. trying trying to act cool. I I, uh, <laughs> I remember one particular Halloween incident in middle school where, like, I don't know, we got in like some verbal argument with uh, some other group of middle schoolers, and uh, did yeah. you use did you use Star Trek to solve the argument? Yes, we did. Considering Uh, you weren't a Star Trek fan until about a year ago, (laughs) that would be a Star Trek time travel plot, which we've seen a whole lot of recently. Yeah, I don't really know where I was going with my story. I thought it sounded... (laughs) It seemed like it might be much more interesting, but no, it it was absolutely not interesting at all. Well, you were probably... I don't know, Justin, what you were doing in... On, on Halloween 2001, but I'm guessing Cody was probably having more fun than either of us. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, because because probably. I know I definitely was not trick-or-treating. I was probably handing out candy to I trick-or-treaters, was, I was which is fun. I was enjoying the throes but, of youth at the time. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that that year... I can't even remember if I dressed up as anything uh, for Halloween, but um, I would have been working on PSM at the time, for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, probably... Had had gone through a whole day of work and uh, <laughs> was probably tired, tired of playing games all day. You know how that goes, because uh, that's totally what we did all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't really remember what I was doing. I'm sure there was some sort of party and I decided not to go because uh, that's just kind of person I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was right there with you, so uh, there were probably plenty of parties going on that none of us were at. So, well, I mean, like it was my first year of middle school, like first mm-hmm. two months of middle school. So, you know, I I doubt I was at any parties either. Mm. You were just feuding with other middle schoolers, like the Vulcans feud with the Andorians. Exactly, Ooh. exactly. My uh, pre- <laughs> my pubescent. Uh, uh, hormones were raging at the <laughs> mm. time, much like the Andorians are much like, I don't know, they're kind of like <laughs> middle schoolers, right? They get mad over stupid they, shit. They definitely do, as we'll learn. Uh, I wanted to mention, uh, before we get into the synopsis of the, of the episode, though, uh, something that seems a little fitting uh, in looking into the, the uh, trivia and background of this episode, something that seems really fitting, actually, for the fact that it aired on Halloween... Uh, was it, it was directed uh, by Fred Decker, and uh, I knew that name sounded familiar. And for the uh, listeners, it was written by oh, Fred written De- by Fred Decker, right? And and um, for our listeners who who don't know that who that is, um, he wrote and directed uh, a bunch of classic uh, sci-fi slash horror movies, including uh, Monster Squad uh, and Night of the Creeps. And, oh, that's uh, famously RoboCop 3. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, the Ro- Mo- Monster Squad, especially Night of the Creeps. Uh, Night of the Creeps is definitely one of my favorite kind of horror sci-fi movies. Uh, it's great. I can't remember if it's on Netflix, uh, but you should seek it out if you're into horror movies. Um, he also uh, wrote the story for the horror movie House, which is kind of a classic. So... Um, it's pretty interesting. I don't, that doesn't really have anything to do with this episode. I wouldn't say this episode was particularly scary (laughs) or creepy, but it definitely was campy in some respects. So, uh, this um, episode was actually directed by Roxanne Dawson. 
Oh, right, right. That was the other thing when I saw the credits come up. Who played Belana Torres on Star Trek Voyager. Yeah. So it's this weird mixture of things. We've got the Andorians coming back. We've got uh, a kind of an interesting plot and a twist. And then we had uh, written by the guy who did Night of the Creeps and directed by Balana. <laughs> See, I mean, I respect all that, but I, I had some issues with the episode, you know, like... Well, we'll get to it. We'll get okay. to yeah. it. Okay, Let's, I don't know. Justin's going to break it down for us, and then we'll, right, talk about, right. uh, we'll talk about what we thought of the episode. <laughs> all right, Justin, break it, break it, break it down, son. Uh, open on a strange building. It's a temple of some kind where hmm. Vulcans are praying. Uh, suddenly, some weapon-wielding Andorians bursts in, led by Jeffrey Combs. A- oh, wow. Yeah. A uh, frequent actor on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. God, he has such a punchable face when he's in an Andorian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a very short prologue. Um, then the opening credits hit. Um, I've been trying to get that song stuck in Cody's head for a long time. It's been a long road. <laughs> getting from there to here. Oh, wow. Okay, okay, okay. Before we go on any further, my thoughts on the song are either okay it's like a combination of like christian rock mm-hmm. 9-11 memorial song <laughs> and then like something i'd slow dance to in middle school speaking mm-hmm. of middle school mm-hmm. um so it's, it's so the best generic song ever and just bland and it's like like everything they're trying to say like through their generic lyrics it, it i feel like it could be said in just like an epic like orchestrated theme you know mm-hmm. instead of going with just like the contemporary adult you know rock i don't know it's rod, rod stewart song it, it wasn't good it wasn't it's not good i mean yeah i'm sure you guys have already discussed this many times yeah but, but it's always I good I'd to throw get in my two cents yeah i was gonna say it's always good to get new opinions on it but it turns out the new opinion is always the same opinion, which is, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to, to, and I don't know if you guys have, I'm looking forward to the day when I meet someone who just loves this song. I mean, <laughs> there gotta be track fans out there that have this on regular rotation because that's just, you know, that's just their thing. Yeah. Um, but I'd really like to sit down with one of those people over some coffee sometime and just get to, get to know how they think, you know? <laughs> Which is not at all. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, if anybody who likes, and if anybody likes that theme song, like, no offense, yeah. but yeah, no offense, but you know, let us know. You got bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so after the credits, uh, we're cut back to Enterprise. Uh, Trip is complaining to Archer that the Vulcan star charts take the fun out of exploring. Uh, Archer argues that they've never been to those places and that the Vulcan star charts may not be all that accurate. Hmm. Uh, Paul enters and Archer asks her about a remote outpost that she says is called Pajem. Uh, she tells them that it is a place for meditation and colonar, the purging of emotion. And Archer is intrigued and really wants to visit. Uh, cut to the mess hall. Paul is eating some veggies with a knife and fork, as she does, and Dr. Flox is eating with her and asks if she's excited to visit the Vulcan Sanctuary. She says, uh, uh, he says that she'll be able to introduce her own people to her new crew, 
Uh, but she's concerned about being seen with a human crew because it could create, quote, a certain awkwardness. Uh, Phlox grabs one of her pieces of celery off her plate with his hand, <laughs> then asks for permission. Uh, she says nothing, and he takes a bite out of the celery. He reveals that he feels awkward on the ship sometimes, but he quotes the Vulcans, quote, infinite diversity in infinite combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was where this was what I was talking about with Phlox. I felt, thought this was a really interesting little bit of dialogue where he kind of calls her out. Mm-hmm. On on not seeing kind of like getting caught up in the minutia of things and and not really seeing kind of the the true Vulcan feelings on or not they don't have feelings but you know what I mean like like she's kind of ignoring the the essence of the Vulcan philosophy right um and yeah I know I thought it was interesting I also liked how he grabbed uh, her grab the food with his hands, you know, kind of like going against everything that, that she's kind of about and then doesn't ask permission, which isn't, you know, kind of the proper thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just kind of messing with her in a way. <laughs> see, see, I like that. I like that. But right about at this point, I just internally noticed, like, I don't, what's the, what's the Vulcan girl's name again? T'Pol. T'Pol. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just noticed like, the actor who play or the actress who plays her, like her lips are just like distractingly huge, right? <laughs> like, like I was just like I was just like looking at her lips and just sort of like focusing on them, and I, I didn't even really know what she was saying through this part because like I was just <laughs> so watching her lips move and just like I don't know, it sounds really weird, I know, but it's just they're just so big, like I just. <laughs> Hyper focused on them for that one moment when they zoom you'll, in on you'll her get, face. As you watch more Enterprise, you, you'll start to you know, or if you watch a lot of Real Housewives, um, uh, you know, I guess I just gave away the fact that I do. Uh, <laughs> you'll you'll trust me once you know you've seen a few sets of of really big lips. You you kind of you know they you blank them out. And Did you, she have you, any like move on? Do you, I mean, has she had any plastic surgery done on her lists or? Well, list? I don't know. I don't wow, know. lips, not lists. Sorry, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I think they might be just natural. I think that might be one of kind of her selling points. You know, in I mean, like you know, I'm, I'm not knocking the lips, but they're very distracting, hmm. <laughs> especially in HD, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, back to the episode. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Justin. <laughs> Flox, sorry, this point reminded me of that. Uh, Flox uses the celery as a spoon, scooping up some of his own meal. And he says, what is diversity but a celebration of differences? Mm-hmm. He asks her what the Enterprise's mission is, and she replies that they are to meet what humans consider new life and new civilizations. In other words, to seek infinite diversity, Flox To boldly says. go where no one has gone before. Yeah, exactly. It sounded like, you know, the intro to... Mm-hmm. Anyway, go on. And uh, the cultural exchange between humans and Vulcans would further that mission of seeking infinite diversity. In the shuttle bay, uh, T'Pol tells Archer and Trip the protocols of meeting the Vulcans on Pajem, and there are a lot of rules that I'm not going to go down. <laughs> on the planet, uh, Trip notes that the door to the monastery has been bashed in, and T'Pol writes it off as the monastery being old. Uh, she pulls a rope to ring the doorbell, but there's no response. So Archer lets himself in. 
the place is empty except for a lone Vulcan. Topal walks over to him and speaks to him. Uh, she tells Archer and Trip that they have arrived at the time of Kolinar, so all the Vulcans are inside and not to be disturbed. As they're leaving, T'Pol requests the Jaka Stone. Uh, the Vulcan monk leaves. As the three Enterprise crew members wait, T'Pol notices that things are knocked over and broken. Uh, T'Pol tells Archer that there should be more than one member of the Order present in the main atrium. That an icon is perched at an odd angle, and the, the Vulcan Elder seems agitated. The Elder returns with the Jakaz Stone, but Archer interrupts and starts talking and walking around the room. Uh, Tripp and T'Pol follow Archer's lead. Uh, the Elder gives them an excuse and the Stone of Jakaz. Uh, Archer takes the stone, but he's not gaming up. He still walks around and then notices the reflection of an Andorian on a bull. Archer motions for Trip to go to him, and the two knock over a divider and the Andorian hiding behind it. Uh, T'Pol is about to grab the Andorian's weapon, but the rest of the Andorians show up and take them prisoner. Uh, Archer, T'Pol, Trip, and the Vulcan Elder are led back to a holding area where the rest of the Vulcans are locked up. The Andorian leader uh, wants to know what the humans are uh, who the humans are and what their mission is. Okay, okay. Let me let me just stop you right here. Okay, this point really really frustrated me in the episode because like I don't know Archer like for some reason in this episode is just extremely bad at explaining the situation. Like <laughs> he just like gets beat the heck up and like I don't know he he just doesn't really explain. Like I feel like he could have just been like. Oh, you know, like, we work with the Vulcans because, you know, they were our first contact and, you know, we're not trying to hide anything. I don't know. I feel like he could have given a better explanation. Just He was just giving these really vague, general, like, responses while he was mm-hmm. just getting punched in the face, you know? And it was really frustrating. I well, mean, maybe, he, maybe he just didn't want to give up too much to a potential... Um, enemy uh it was also the first time i believe it was the first time the humans have encountered the andorians mm-hmm. so you know i think he was just trying to be uh i know i see what what you're saying there I, I just think maybe he was um wanting to be a little not forthcoming with information i don't know he, he just seemed it just seemed like he was dumb like you know, like <laughs> he wasn't like like you know I, I mean okay again coming recently coming off of tng like i feel like captain picard like you know, he's so much more articulate and, like, you know, just like, okay, this is what's going on here. Now, you know, just, like, going on with his thing and, like, I don't know, I feel like Archer's just like, uh, uh, and then, you know, she, they're like, why is, why is she your, your science officer? And she's, he's just like, uh, she wasn't my first choice. And then he just gets punched in the face again. And, you know, it's just like, I don't know, Captain Picard would have handled it a lot. Oh, I think we. Can I mean, all I guess agree. Archer is a lot more novice, of course. You know, this is like you know, two hundred fifty years before TNG mm-hmm. and all that. But I don't know. I just it just frustrated me. I I felt like like in the previous episode, like he articulated to the Novans like what was going on a lot better, and like for some reason, I, I don't know if he got punched in the face one too many times. Maybe he wasn't thinking mm, straight. Maybe that's possible too. But you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're encountering a new enemy. He doesn't want to give away too much. Stuff yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I I thought about that side of it as well. So, uh, good point. 
Uh, yeah, so the Andorians are suspicious of the Enterprise because they have a Vulcan with them. Um, Archer says they came to the monastery out of curiosity, but the Andorian leader doesn't like the answer and knocks Archer down. Uh, Trip confirms Archer's story, but the Andorian leader says that they scan the Enterprise and it's very well armed for a ship that just came to visit. The Enterprise crew's visit proves that the monastery is more than a sanctuary, according to him. The Andorians leave, and Paul tells Archer that they're yeah, Andorians, uh, <laughs> who are known for their suspicious and volatile nature. A Vulcan monk tells Archer that the two species are from neighboring systems and have been in conflict for years. Paul says that the Andorians resent the Vulcans' reasoning and technology and are planning to, and uh, they think that the Vulcans are planning to invade the Andorian homeworld. The Vulcan elder says that there's a treaty, but some Andorian factions still believe the Vulcans are planning to conquer them. Uh, the reason they're at the temple is because the Andorians believe that there is a long-range sensor array there, but the Vulcan Elder says that it is a place of introspection, and there there are neither spies nor technology. The Andorians have been there before, but they left after finding nothing. Uh, but their suspicions are now amplified by the Enterprise's visit. On the Enterprise, Reed is kicking himself for not noticing the alien ship on the planet before. He's, he's worried because he doesn't know who the aliens are, and he hasn't heard back from the landing party. But Hoshi and Mayweather think he's overreacting. Uh, back in the temple, Archer is getting beaten for information about the sensor array. Uh, I noted that there are a couple of cuts to Archer's first-person perspective during this scene, which I thought was a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, they then want to know why he has a Vulcan on his ship. Uh, Enterprise tries calling Archer but the Andorian leader picks up uh, the comms and tells Reed, who is currently in command, that the way team are now hostages. The Andorian leader destroys all the communicators as the Enterprise tries calling each one. The Andorians threaten to behead some of the Vulcan monks in order to get Archer to tell the truth, but he says that he already told them the truth. In the holding area, the Vulcan elder talks to T'Pol, asking how long she's been on the ship and about the smell of the humans. Uh, she reveals that she's gotten used to it, and she has a nasal-numbing agent, which I thought was a weird bit of levity. Yeah, uh, I thought that was really weird. I didn't actually know that Vulcans thought that humans stank. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if I remember that ever being mentioned before. Uh, um, yeah, remember uh, T'Pol has a she said that like Vulcan's females have a stronger sense of smell. That's why she doesn't mm-hmm. like uh, Porthos, the dog. Oh, right, right, right. Well, hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, Archer is brought back in. Uh, Archer tells the Vulcan elder that the Andorians mean business and that the Andorians threaten to kill all the hostages if there's a rescue attempt from Enterprise. But he knows that Reed will try to rescue them if... Uh, the longer that they're out of contact. Uh, Archer says that if anyone has any suggestions, uh, he's all ears. No offense. Another weird bit of levity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vulcan monk from before suggests that they can contact Enterprise using an old transmitter that hasn't been used in many years, despite the monks initially saying that they have no technology. 
Yeah, okay. When when that happens and they go into the crypt, I'm like, of course it's in a freaking like ancient crypt, right? Where they have to go through all the like I don't that just seems bizarre. Like why would they keep this this transmitter just like deep in the crypt in the ba- you know, the farthest part of the crypt? With all well, the bodies and stuff. I, I mean, it's just... It, I, th- I just thought it was a bit of a gimmick. I was like, are you yeah, kidding they, me? They're supposed to... Of course it's in a crypt, right? They're supposed to put it away somewhere. They're not even supposed to have technology there, so... Well, you know, keep it in a desk drawer or something. I don't know. Not I don't know if they even have desks crypt. there. <laughs> I don't know. They have no, they have no like, belongings. They just have artifacts. They well, have to, keep, it, keep it under someone's bed. I, I mean, I don't know. They have to purge themselves of emotions, technology, and desks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but of An course, it's furniture. in the back of the crypt. I don't know. It was just silly, in my opinion. Yeah, it was a little convenient. Um, yeah, like you said, the transmitters look in the catacombs. The Vulcan Elder reveals that there's a hidden. There are hidden places where they keep their sacred relics and honored dead. Uh, they can't let the Andorians discover them. He then twists a statue, and a secret door is revealed. The younger Vulcan monk. And Trip, who's going because he can fix anything, enter the catacombs. Uh, Trip passes by some relics and mummified remains before getting to the transmitter. Uh, Trick, Trip is intrigued by a passage to the reliquary where the most sacred artifacts are being held. But then he starts working on the transmitter. Elsewhere in the temple, the Andorians enter the holding area. They are shining their flashlights on the resting prisoners. They look around, and when they see everyone is there, even Trip, uh, they leave. Once they're gone, Trip begins working on the transmitter again. The Vulcan Elder offers the last blanket to Trip, who turns it down, and then to Archer. Archer ar- offers it to T'Pol, but she declines, so he takes it. Uh, Archer asks T'Pol if the Andorians have a transporter. She says no. Uh, Archer thinks that they could transport a strike team into the atrium, but T'Pol says that the sound of the transporter would alert the guards. He then suggests they transport right into the holding area, but T'Pol is dubious of fighting in close quarters and of putting the monks at risk. Uh, T'Pol is clearly cold, so Archer offers to have her share his blanket. Uh, She replies that it's been 24 hours since she took her nasal-numbing agent, and the cold (laughs) is preferable to the odor. He then asks one more time, and she acquiesces. Uh, She says an armed assault is too risky, not just for them, but for the relations between the Vulcans and Andorians in general. Uh, Archer asks why they don't fight back. She says Vulcans don't respond to violence with violence, but he argues that a little violence might help at this point, to which she replies that he sounds like an Andorian. Uh, Ultimately, Archer would like to find a peaceful solution, but he doesn't think it's possible at this time. Uh, he then asks where T'Pol stands, and she says that she has never disobeyed his orders. Uh, back on Enterprise, Reed is pacing. Hoshi then gets a hail, and it's from Trip. He brings Reed up to speed and tells Reed to sit tight and that they're working on a way out of there. In the holding area, Archer has a primitive map of the catacombs laid out before him. Uh, the map is comprised of small disks. Uh, He wants to know if any of the tunnels lead outside, but they don't. Uh, He then asks about the reliquary, but the Vulcans tell him that no one has been there for years, and entering it would be blasphemy. Trip chimes in and says that he knows a stairwell that leads almost directly beneath the atrium. 
he saw three lights shining down there, which matches up with the giant face sculpture in the atrium. Uh, in the atrium, the Andorians are getting impatient. The leader is sure that the array is there. Uh, he refuses to back down. Suddenly, Archer starts yelling, drawing their attention. He tells the Andorian leader that he needs to speak to him alone. <laughs> in the atrium, Archer starts speaking loudly about a Vulcan philosopher and starts walking around the room, a uh, similar tactic to what he used at the beginning of this episode. Uh, he gets knocked to the ground. Uh, in his hand, he's holding a small statue. He starts BSing again, and as he's getting up, he throws a statue into the giant face sculpture's mouth. He then gets punched again and taken away. Uh, in the catacombs, Trip finds the small statue that Archer threw. Uh, back in the holding area, Trip shows Archer that he found the statue. The Vulcan Elder is not pleased that Archer is planning something, but Archer just wants the Vulcans to stay out of his way. Back on Enterprise, Reed is leading a team of two red shirts to the transporter. Uh -huh. He tells them to put their face pistols on stun. Uh, Hoshi and one of the red shirts are hesitant to use the transporter because it scrambles molecules. Uh -huh. uh, but Reed doesn't care. And he orders the red shirt to stand on the transporter, and Hoshi <laughs> beams them down to the surface. I was almost expecting um, something to happen to one of the red shirts, because we've seen other crew members go down um, on away missions now. But this was the first time you had kind of a classic, um, you know, security team with, uh, you know, comprised of red shirts beaming down to do something. Mm -hmm. um, so I was I was getting ready. I was getting <laughs> ready for, for some crew members to be lost on this mission. Uh, in the temple, the Andorians notice an energy fluctuation in the holding area. The strike team hurriedly enters the catacombs. Uh, by the time the Andorians get there, there's no sign of the strike team. In the catacombs, Reed finds the other sign of the face sculpture. In the holding area, once again, the Andorian's second in command is uh, he's showing some interest in T'Pol again. He's really creeping on her. <laughs> uh, and uh, Trip is antagonizing him. In the catacombs, Reed is observing the Andorians on the other side of the face sculpture. He then sets some charges. The Andorians have detected three new biosigns, all humans. See, I thought that was kind of messed up. You know, he just like blew, he blew up the face, you know, like <laughs> that could have been like a thousand years old. And he's just like, yeah, screw it. Just blow up the face. You know, I don't know. Wait, I haven't gotten to that yet. Okay. He sorry. just set Spoiler the Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert, everyone. 30 seconds. In the holding area, the Andorian second command is, you know, creeping on to Paul some more. And Archer tells her, tells him to leave her alone. Uh, back in the catacombs, Reed has finished setting his charges. In the atrium, the Andorians are trying to find the new biosigns. Suddenly, the face sculpture explodes. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Knocking down the Andorians in the atrium. Not cool, man. In the holding cell, the explosion makes the Andorians drop uh, his guard. Trip rushes him and tries to grab his weapon. Back in the atrium, Reed and his agent get in a firefight with the Andorians. Uh, despite getting hit by the Andorians, one of the red shirts is still alive, which I mm -hmm. was surprised by. Yeah. Uh, two of the Andorians escape. Back in the holding cell, Archer wrestles with the Andorian. He's about to get a shot, uh, or he's about to get shot when Reed enters and shoots the Andorian. 
Uh, Reed then tells Archer that two of the Andorians escaped into the catacombs. The Vulcan elder tells Archer that he's turned a place of solitude into a war zone. Archer grabs a phase pistol and hands it to the injured Trip. Then Archer starts heading into the catacombs. The younger Vulcan, Andorian weapon in his hand, says he's going with Archer, despite the Vulcan elder saying that violence is no longer their way. We must protect what's ours, the younger Vulcan says. In the catacombs, Archer, T'Pol, and the younger Vulcan head towards where the Andorians are, the reliquary. The younger Vulcan says that only the higher members of the Order are allowed in there. Archer says that the Andorians have already seen what's down there, so a couple humans won't make much difference. In the reliquary, the Andorians and and the Enterprise crew get into a firefight. A phaser beam hits a curtain, and a big door is partially revealed. This door looks like the entrance to the Danger Room in the X-Men movies. Uh, Archer opens the door, and light pours out of it. Uh, Archer looks in and yells for everyone to hold their fire. He tells the Andorians to check it out. It's a big room filled with computers and monitors and a few Vulcans. Uh <laughs> Nobody looked in their direction when that happened. Yeah. No. Yeah, the they Vol- weren't the they were too busy face. working. Yeah, they have serious business to attend to. So like, mm-hmm. oh, what are those blue antenna oh, the Andorians? Oh, whatever, who cares? Uh Archer tells Paul to start taking pictures of everything. Just then the younger Vulcan presses his gun to the back of Archer's neck and tells everyone to drop their weapons. As he's looking over to Tapal to get her scanner, Archer Archer quickly spins around and decks the younger Vulcan, knocking him out, which I thought was weird because Vulcans are supposed to be stronger than humans, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Vulcan pinch and all that, right? Mm-hmm. And just generally stronger, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, especially in, you know, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, like the huge fight between Khan and Spock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's able to, to go up against him one-on-one. Yep. Uh, Archer is pissed. The Andorians were right the whole time. Uh, T'Pol has completed her scans of the surveillance array, and Archer orders her to give them to the Andorians, so she does. Archer tells the Andorian leader to leave, but he's suspicious of the Enterprise and thinks that they might attack them. Archer says the Vulcans violated a treaty, and the Andorians ought to know about it. T'Pol then borrows Reed's communicator and calls Enterprise. She says that the Andorian ship is leaving and that they're free to go, and this is enough assurance for the Andorian leader. As he's about to leave, he tells Archer, we are in your debt. Uh, The shuttle pod is leaving the planet as the episode ends. There you go. There you go. No, no, wrong, wrong series, wrong series. No, it's um, it's been a long road. It's it has been a long road. Been a long road to this point. Um, from so, what do you guys think of you know before just general thoughts on the episode? I think the the biggest issue I had here, and maybe I'm just thinking about this wrong, but the giving. So clearly, all right, the Vulcans lie, like they outright lied, Mm -hmm. and they're also spying, and so it's kind of, there's just some very, as far as we know Vulcans, you know, so far from other series, there seem to be some very uh, non-Vulcan stuff going on here. Also, but also at the same time, who was it like, why did Archer, like, give that information to the Andorians? 
Like, there's this whole thing. They've beat the crap out of him. They're clearly, you know, this this angry, you know, alien race. Um, sure, the Vulcans lied, and the Vulcans had broken the treaty, but, like, I kind of was wondering, like, where is it Archer's place, even, to be handing over this information to this other alien race? I just didn't quite understand. Well, Archer has no allegiance to the Vulcans because he's always had an issue with Vulcans. Right, right. But, I mean, it just seems it seems like he was kind of instigating something. Uh, he, Does that make sense? I think he just wants to, he wants to do what's right or what's mm. fair. And mm-hmm. the Vulcans had been misleading him the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, the Andorians were right. They were right all along. And here's proof of it. Mm. I think he also well, wanted to like claim his innocence to the fact that he really didn't know mm, that yeah, there was that, that thing too. there because like they had already beat the crap out of him because they thought he had knew- known something. But and then when he's like, learned, "Well, I'm just oh. as surprised as you guys are," mm-hmm. you know. So I guess he was just trying to play that Get, angle take too. this stuff right. Rather than say, so I just wondered why he didn't just say to the Andorians, you know, "Well, take your sensor readings, whatever you need." You know, clearly, well, they like lied I to said. He's terrible at explaining things. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, they yeah. probably don't have as advanced sensors as T'Pol does. Mm. Well, they also... Well, I get that makes sense because they don't have transporter technology. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't ever think that... Um, the, you know, they never kind of put it together like, oh, someone could transport down. Actually, I thought that this was an episode where um, before they actually did the... They, they used the t- transporter to send... A read and the red shirts down. I was thinking, wow, this would have been really easily settled if this was next generation. They could have just transported the Vulcans and the crew off, you know. Yeah, but the tra- I was thinking, yeah, the transporter is new technology of this. Point. Right, right. I was right, just saying right, how different. Right. I was thinking how different this episode would have been if it was an episode of, for instance, Voyager or Next Generation. They just would have transported the the hostages. <laughs> What, to the Enterprise. What they should have done is just transport the Andorians up to the ship and hold phasers to, the, to them. Yeah, Oh, really. that's another good point. They could have just done that. And, hey, you know, if the transporters, you know, totally scrambled them, that would have been fine. Yep. Because they were, yeah, they were mean, holding people hostage. They were the bad guys. Yeah, I mean... But then, but then we wouldn't have gotten the big twist at the end. Right, that's true. I mean, mm-hmm. part of... Yeah, I had sort of an issue with this episode as well. I mean, sort of in that light, like... Um, I don't know. I feel like the, the storytelling, like a lot of the storytelling so far in Enterprise is just like this linear sort of like one perspective, um, type of storytelling, you know, whereas in the next generation, you know, there's like often two or three different perspectives or stories going on at the same time. And they all eventually, eventually like interweave, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's something I noticed about Enterprise, and this episode especially, you know, does that. Um, and I feel like it, like I feel like it was kind of boring in that way because mm. it was just like the whole episode was just like you know the Andorians holding them, and it's like oh, there's this crypt, and I do think. Uh, well, I, don't know. I mean, granted, I wasn't surprised by it, but I do think that the twist of the Andorians being right was a mm-hmm. nice touch. Mm-hmm. I think so too, but yeah, again, I wasn't I wasn't surprised by it. I was like, oh yeah, there probably is some secret base under here, and it's like, well, know. my yeah, my thought during it was that the 
Vulcans, I mean, Vulcans wouldn't lie. Come on, you know? And why would the Vulcans be, you know, obviously you can't be naive and think at the same time, you can't be naive and think that the Vulcans are an advanced civilization. You know, they have to be kind of, um, uh, sort of having, you know, relations with different other alien races. They have treaties and things like that. So I guess it, it makes sense that they would also have sort of an intelligence operation going on, Mm -hmm. uh, to be kind of keeping tabs on what apparently is a, another race that they have kind of a contention with. Um, but at the same time I thought, well, you know, the alien or the, the Vulcans don't lie. I mean, it's just, not their thing. Uh, but maybe the point of this was to, and I feel like enterprise in general so far, one of the major aspects to it is trying to give a little more perspective on Vulcans and a little more depth to, you know, who the Vulcans are and what they, you know, why they do the things they do. And yeah, I do I like, know. I do like that. They've started to give more perspective to the Vulcans. Uh, Vulcans I mean, don't lie. They just withhold truths. If mm-hmm. logic dictates it. Right, right. So, but in this case, you know, it was, I mean, maybe if we went back and watched the episode for this, this specific reason again, we'd find that they, maybe they never say there isn't a listening post, but. Well, they do say there's no technology, though. Right. So that's, well, they said there's no technology in the monastery. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) they, maybe it's, maybe it's a, what do they call that? Or it's, it's you know, kind of the context of it. Oh, well, that's not in the monastery. It's in the caverns <laughs> beneath the monastery. The technicality, um, but I, yeah. Yeah, it's like a, it's a technicality. Um, I, Cody, what you said about the, how linear the, the storytelling is. I mean, that's definitely been something, um, with, uh, Enterprise so far, but in a way, I want to say, you know, one of the, the things that they wanted to achieve with this show was, kind of a, in a way, a throwback to the original Star Trek series. Um, and so in that respect, this was very much a plot you could have seen happening on, you know, original, you know, William Shatner Star Trek. Yeah, uh, I can see and, that too. And, and, get, and Archer, you know, Archer himself, even the, the stuff like the corny stuff where um, he comes out and he says, and he's talking to the Andorians and he just starts spouting off like useless trivia. He's like, I've got some information to divulge. And then he just starts spouting off like dumb factoids. Yeah. It it is almost like something that Kirk would have done back in the day. But, you know, know, the original Star Trek is really, you know, it's got some great stuff, but it's also very kind of hokey and cheesy. Um, And so this series so far has definitely been a lot hokier and cheesier than, you know, modern, other modern, modern Star Trek. Um, and I just don't know if it is what kind of modern Star Trek fans are looking for. Like, I don't know. It was kind of, uh, Justin, you said it was out of, it was really felt out of place. Like the moments of levity in this hostage situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know. It, it was a, a definitely what you would call a mixed bag. I think uh, it was nice to see Reed do some stuff though. Mm-hmm. Well, he was in command of the enterprise mm-hmm. and he was kind of a badass. Um, you know, I mean, just in general, he is, I mean, he's, he's this total gun nut. He's very serious. Um, he seemed like he would make a pretty good, like captain. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to a, a point when the enterprise actually gets into some combat and Reed for, for whatever reason, like you can picture Reed being really good in that situation. I think, uh, whereas Archer, 
you, I just get the feeling like if Enterprise got, was in, in battle, Archer would just be like, Reed, uh, can you take over? <laughs> like, you're the one that's good at this stuff. Yeah. You know, whereas, whereas a lot of other uh, Star Trek captains, you know, basically all of them, you would imagine them being very like, I know exactly what to do in this situation. But then again, this is the first, you know, starship of this yeah, type. Ar- Archer's mentality reminds me of Worf a lot of the time. It's just like, you know, just like, especially that part, you know, in like the monastery where he's just like, get him to beam down and we'll have like some giant shootout and kill all the mm-hmm. Andorians, you know, basically is what he says. And, you know, it just reminds, it's just, it's a Worf solution. Mm. I like At least the, the TNG Worf. I like the Cheng solution here, which was to beam the Andorians onto the Enterprise and, no, yeah, I like the chain solution as well. Yeah, guys. when they appear on the transporter pad, just have guns pointed at them. Exactly. <laughs> that would have been would awesome. Have been perf- it would have been perfect. Yeah, that would have been a much shorter episode. Yeah. Uh, it would have made more sense, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Overall, I... I actually liked the episode. I didn't have... Mm-hmm. I didn't have huge, huge problems with it. And I... Like I said, I do like the little twist at the end that... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out, like, where would you put this, um, of the episodes we've watched so far? Where where would you rank it? Um, I, I guess on the higher end. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the entirety of Enterprise so far has been kind of flat overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, flat. That's a good way to put it. But I would put it on the higher end of the spectrum, I guess. I think I still like... I guess I'd still say Broken Bow is at the top, even though I I think it was way too long. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, yeah, Broken Bow was really slow, but um, it was it had probably the best the best plot and best writing and 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 mixture of of things that I like, but it was just really long. I would say I guess of the episodes since the pilot, this has been my favorite so far, um, and maybe it was just because it was more kind of like in line with original series Star Trek. Um, I mean, it, I've got to admit it was as someone, maybe the only person on the show at the moment that's watched, you know, all of the original Star Trek, uh, that it was cool to see the Andorian show back up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, that I, was, that was cool. I thought that was pretty cool. That I liked it overall. I mean, there's definitely, that. Yeah, there's definitely some uh, problems with the logic, but... Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the worst episode that we've seen, I don't think, so... Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Thankfully, very little Hoshi. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and there, I, again, I, I feel like, for me, the best moment of the episode was that exchange between T'Pol and Phlox. Yes, yes. In the mess hall. For sure. It was I think actually, that was my favorite as well. I mean, it really kind of... It was like Flocks dropped some, you know, truth. <laughs> and and I'm starting to get the sense yeah. that he is going to be kind of the, kind of the, like, a Guinan character. Where, you know, he's going to be the voice of kind of, like, understanding and reason among yeah. the, this crew. That, that is having sure. a hard time kind of getting along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not, I guess they're not kind of, ha- they're not having a hard time getting along. But it's the... It's T'Pol. I'm guessing my prediction is that we'll probably see more of Flocks and T'Pol kind of talking through the T'Pol's kind of 
problems that she's having being the only Vulcan on this human crew. Yeah, I mean, so. they're the two non-humans, mm-hmm. so they can kind of relate. So that's interesting. It's interesting to kind of have that, you know, the two aliens discussing life with a otherwise completely human crew. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm really, I'm waiting for the writing on this show to mature to where it is more like what you were saying, Cody, with Next Generation. It's got to be interesting, too, coming off of having watched all of TNG and this being, like, the next Star Trek you're watching. Yeah, um, I mean, it's... It, it, it's, it has yeah. to feel a bit like a like a backtrack, like, you know... Would you like, say it's a backtrack? A backtrack, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, I mean, definitely, you know, compared to TNG and DS9, what I've seen of it, and even Voyager, it... it is very stripped down um, in yeah. terms of the storytelling. And I'm really looking forward to when, and I'm hoping this happens because I've heard, you know, I've, I know that there are a lot of enterprise fans and I've, and, and, and it did stick around for a while. Um, and, and I, as I understand it, it does kind of mature and become kind of its own thing uh, later on. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. I mean, like uh, I've talked about this with Justin before, but it's just, you know, every Star Trek show has to get its legs. It has to get, uh, sort of figure out its balance. And after the first season or two, it gets, you know, from my experience, it, it gets a lot better and seems mm-hmm. to be the experience of others. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm of course going to watch Enterprise through the, through the first season and probably beyond. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's always mm-hmm. good to see the writers and the actors at their best. Um, so, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's an episode. That's yep. a wrap, folks. Uh, next <laughs> week, we're going to talk about breaking the ice. Hmm. Breaking the bad. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, Breaking Bad. Brian Cranston's gonna get a star. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, we have yep. to warp. Uh, yeah. So we'll talk to you then. All right. Bye, everyone. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh yeah. Thanks for being. Yeah. Here. Thanks for joining us. Definitely. Mm-hmm.